Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. Way to take all the energy out of the room with that one. You, you had us built up. Uh, we're I back. Was so hyped. And I've been then... here for an episode with you in weeks. It's been, I, th- I think it's been three weeks since I've been in this room doing a show with you. It's March. Or even longer, actually, because three weeks ago I did a show without you. Well, we don't even do shows together anymore. Who's, who are you? Who are you? I don't even know I was, you anymore, I, I was here for the last two weeks, so... <laughs> Uh, you were gone because you were like in in Chicago for twelve days. I was pitching toys. Around. I was doing toy stuff. Yeah, and I was also performing in Schmodown, uh, and it was crazy. Yeah, Performed for a thousand people. I'd never done that before. Since we last saw you, all of War the Spark has been released. Uh, we also got cool Japanese exclusive anime planeswalkers that I right. just want all of all of them. Are you going to buy them all? If there is an option to just buy them straight up instead of having to buy boxes of Japanese War of the Spark, yeah. I would just snap do that today. So if someone could link that towards me, either Twitter or YouTube, uh, to that link so I can just buy them straight up, I would just do that. Is the anime Jace the Mind Sculptor super dope? It's not. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's only the Planeswalkers in the set. Oh, oh, it's the 36. You get so the exclusive Jace art. So it's Unbound or something along those lines. The four mana one. The, yeah, the yeah. Combos with it's mostly the art. The coolest one is that Liliana, the six mana one, the new one, is the same artist that did all of the concept art of every Final Fantasy game. And uh, then like Vampire Hunter D, and it's like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I just want a play mat of it. Card I just sleeves. tweeted. A, I just put a picture on Instagram of you with swoopy hair referring to you as emo Alex, and yeah. you just then in the next sentence reference Final Fantasy and Vampire Hunter D is, in the well, same Vampire sentence. Pretty emo. So I don't know if Final like, Fantasy is emo. <laughs> You're just. I'm just going back to you know, high school Kessler. Alex. Yeah, that's that's what's going on today. I'm I got enjoying. a gorilla shirt. I mean, like people don't know this, but uh, my mom owned the clothing company X Large while I was in high school and middle oh, school. Really? Uh, she sold it to a company eventually when I was in college, but it, I so I exclusively wore X Large clothing. That is a clothing brand that has mostly gorillas on it. Ah. It's like logo. So bringing one hundred percent okay high school at Kessler's back yeah. with his swoopy emo hair. Cool. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so yes, we are back from all the things. We're here in studio. We're talking about uh, War of the Spark. This is our full set review. It's going to be a two-parter, so you guys are going to hear part one, and then part two is going to post next week. Yep. That way we can go in-depth with the 100-plus cards we want to talk about. It's pretty wild talking about a set that has 36 Planeswalkers. Not because they're all good, necessarily, but they're all relevant. Well, when we were talking about this earlier, I, I think that... Um Obviously, every Planeswalker ever, I think we've talked about when they get released on this podcast, just because there's always something that a little bit to talk about on them, and there's something always to pay attention to. Uh, but the static ability Planeswalker, which is the big new mechanic here that's allowed them to kind of create these uncommon Planeswalkers, to me, feels like a new permanent type. So, like, and Wizards classically is bad at new permanent types. And when I say bad, I mean they often will become be overpowered because there's things that they're harder to test. Or like, underpowered. Yeah. They have they usually it's very rare you get the lower one five. Like that doesn't happen very often with the new card type. It's not usually that balanced. Right. But even even then, like next set that they came out with had a Johnny Vengeance and Elsbeth and yep. and Tezzeret. And then all like have been talked about as best planeswalkers ever printed. And then the following block after that had Jace the Mind Sculptor in it. Right. So like <laughs> well, so I think the first five were all really strong, but all of them were probably 
10% stronger than they would have been if they were printed today. Well, I think one thing that's really interesting is that they they will often uh, come up with keywording after they've tested something out, right? So, like, um, for instance, what's what's a great example of something where, like, it Menace. was... Menace was showing up in cards for, a, like, three years before it became a keyword. Sure. And so, and so, like, when that happens, usually what you'll find is you'll go back and realize that they were testing out the mechanics of this on single cards. You know, obviously, like, level up, figure of destiny kind of a thing. And I think what's really interesting with the Planeswalkers is some Planeswalkers, like Architect of Thought, for instance, had mm-hmm. an ability that was like, until your next turn, this thing happens when you activate this Planeswalker ability. Well, they have two abilities pretty much across the board, but that first ability, that static ability, is effectively replacing that that clause until your next turn, this thing happens mm-hmm. at all times, right? And so I think that's like a really, really interesting mechanic that you have to think about now is that 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 play pattern where something is happening on your opponent's turn based on a sorcery speed activation on your turn is forever with these cards. Right, right. Like it, the, the fact that almost all of them basically now have two pluses a turn or two ability activations a turn is something to like really pay attention to. And then, you know, you know, back to the point of new prototypes, vehicles had, uh, uh, the copter, you know, then that was overpowered, uh, equipment had, sp- in the first two years, seven equipment that were all extraordinarily problematic. Not to mention, like even all the way up to the extent of Scarlet Mirrored and Block, where that was problematic as well. So, like, there's there's a history of Wizards coming up with new card types and then not knowing exactly how to balance it because there's so many bells and whistles. And I think some of these are going to be be a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, before we get fully into the set review and all of the cards we're going to talk about. Uh, this is the Masters of Modern Podcast. You guys can find us on Twitter at the MMCast. Big congratulations to us. We crossed 5,000 followers. On it's, uh, Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a thing. We, uh, we've we done the show for four plus years, 210 episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we hit 5,000 on Twitter. So that's exciting. Thank you. You guys can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter. I'm at Kess Wiley. Uh, and we're on other platforms. There's like a Discord. There's a Facebook group, about 5,000 people. We have a YouTube that you're probably watching this on right now, or maybe yeah. you're listening to this and on And if you're iTunes. listening, you should watch it, because there's cards. And we're not always, especially in card review episodes, the best at reading every single piece of text on a card. And yeah. thanks to our wonderful producers, there's now a card art right here. Yes, this episode here. is going to be an enormous amount of work for our producers, because there's 130 card images to pull. Between two episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, but none, nonetheless, we Plus have a YouTube Knicks. channel, and it's done really, really well. And it, recently, it's it's been picking up steam, and it's been really exciting to have you guys supporting us. So uh, please continue to subscribe, like, comment. It's the best thing you can do to help growing the MMCast brand. Um, we have a Patreon. We'll talk about it later. You're excited about something that I'm not going to talk about. Uh, maybe. What were you going to talk about? Well, the, the, the Mythic Championship is this weekend. Oh, okay. That's modern focus. Yeah. Uh, now... We're not doing an episode on that. If you want to learn a little bit of what's going on with the Mythic Championship and all the specific things, we did a really good episode with Nick Prince two weeks ago. I uh, highly recommend listening to that if you want to kind of get an idea of what this Mythic Championship slash what used to be Pro Tours is going to be about. One interesting thing is, as we do the set review, is none of these cards are legal in the Pro Tour, in the Mythic Championship. This is uh, the, the new set is not in the modern format legal yet because it's during the pre-release. It's kind of a weird decision, right? Uh... We'll find out. I mean, it's the one format they can do that with. It would be really weird if it was standard. Like, Modern, at least, like, isn't normally that affected that quickly by a new set. Now, we've on the podcast argued many times that almost every new set affects Modern in a pretty significant way. But 
um, this one is absolutely not going to be affected by the new set because it can't be. Um, so th- the nice thing is all of our shot calls aren't going to matter in, in three days when this the, the actual uh, event happens. Um, also excited about the pre-release. That's going to be cool. Uh, I'm hyped about it. You know, before we uh, actually get into the set review, I do think it's probably worth mentioning just quickly the results of Grand Prix Yokohama, just sure. because it's a modern tournament. Yeah. And we had it's the some... last modern tournament before the Mythic Championship. It was won by Hardened Scales, which continues to be a house of a deck, and I think has really separated itself now, really has separated itself now from being like, this is what Affinity has become in modern. It's not really, like Affinity, standard Affinity, like doesn't pop up much anymore. Sure. It's a different deck, but this has taken the place of the fast artifact aggro deck. Right. Um, it's kind of just combo affinity is what it feels like when you play against it. Well, it's interesting that like green finally has figured out how it wants to interact with artifacts, and that's through counter manipulation. And like, especially as we go through this set and we talk about it, you know, green was one of the three main colors that proliferates in this set, and that's probably now its strongest activity when it comes to artifacts. You know, it's another really interesting thing to think about, and this is just like rule of thumb with magic. If you are trying to come up with what is going to be powerful, if you want to spec on cards, if you want to. Focus on permanents that have some interesting ability that cost one. So Hardened Scales, not surprising that Hardened Scales ended up being the engine of a deck that's tier one. The card Training Grounds, which I love, is a $17 rare. Mm -hmm. It's been printed one time. Mm -hmm. Eventually, that's going to be $50 because somebody's going to figure out some way to put four of those into a modern deck, and it's going to break the format just the same way Hardened Scales did. Yeah. Eventually, it'll absolutely happen, right? Some ability that costs three is going to cost one because of that, and then it's going to go infinite, and it'll just be a combo, and that's going to be like a tier one deck. The word absolutely sounds strong. <laughs> Pretty sure. You run this back once it happens. But... Uh, I'm not, you're not wrong. Yes. But anyway, the rest of the top eight, Band Spirits lost to Hardened Scales. You had three copies of Dredge in this top eight, uh, coming in third place, uh, and then you had a copy of The Rock, Azorius Control, and finally, Jeskai Phoenix in eighth place. Jess guy. There's a single copy of uh, uh, Return to Dust in the sideboard. And there's not even any white mana in the deck, so I think it has to just be a mistake. Or he's just playing off a of mana morphos. I mean, like you, like he, the, and or she. I don't know who the player is, but uh, they definitely have an opportunity to cast double white. Yeah, and with like Pyromancer Ascension, because this this version was playing a couple copies of Pyromancer oh, sure. Ascension. Yeah, I yeah. guess like it's more likely you, you end up casting the mana morphos. It's just a one of, but. Uh, the most interesting part about that Jeskai Phoenix list was not actually the single copy of that card. It was the four copies of Nyx. Do you guys yeah. know what Nyx is? I've considered playing it before. I just want you to know. It's uh, one blue for a rare yeah, instant, instant for- uh, counter target spell that was no mana was used to spend to cast it. Yes, it uh, is from Future Sight. So it has the old border, the old weird Future Sight border. It, I think it's the, the new, border. it's the new border. It hasn't happened yet. Soon, soon border. Soon border. <laughs> uh, it has the future site border, and th- this this version was playing four copies. I mean, if you think about it, it's good against like obviously it's really really good against surgical. So it's mm-hmm. the super super meta call because like in the in the phoenix matchup, mm-hmm. it's your one blue, uh, which is like not that much better than just playing like spell pierce. I feel like most of the time in that deck early on when you're gonna want to like. But, you know, later in the game, whatever, people have mana open. But then it also is good against, say, like, if you're on the play, you can just, like, play this to counter a Mox Opal. You can play it to counter a Summoner's Pact. Well, there's so many, yeah, there's so many right now in Modern, especially uh, powerful plays that cost zero mana from, like, the Suspend cards. You have the, just all of the Frixia mana cards. You have everything there that, like... What's interesting to me is that this is a a seventy nine cent ninety nine cent 
future site rare that's all got play a four of in a modern top eight and like hasn't and like we were talking about this before you, you know you're kind of on the train of yeah this seems just like a like a black swan right like a yeah. like a blip moment that like shouldn't have happened but happened this time but if that's true that feels like more of like when one card is played but the fact that he was playing four of them yeah. even if it goes down to two in the long run that's so many yeah, I agree. I mean, it's 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 that's definitely relevant. It's it's notable whether or not it's going to be. Uh, we'll see. But hey, if you want to spec on uh, Nick's, be my guest. <laughs> Ninety nine cents. I might buy nine copies. SCG <laughs> um, has. So, all right. I think that's going to pretty much wrap that up. I think we should probably try to get into the episode. Okay. Um, we are going to be announcing the gaggle of Gideon's winner from a few weeks ago on part two of this. Yeah. So you won't get it this week, but be sure to turn into the second part of this uh, if you want to find out who won that contest. Uh, so let's start. Uh, cards are searched, uh, sorted alphabetically. All right. So first card is the Obi Wan Kenobi of Magic, a Johnny the Great Hearted. Two green white legendary planeswalker, a Johnny. He has the static ability of creatures you control have vigilance. He is a rare, and uh, his plus is you gain three life. His minus two is put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each planeswalker you control. That's like his thing. Each other planeswalker. That's important. Each yeah. other planeswalker you yeah. control, correct. And uh, he has five loyalty when he comes down. Yeah, so this is uh, similar to the four mana, the four mana uh, one white, three colorless from like one of the M sets, I think. Right? That's the that's the one that had the... There's the three in white he can get. He's had give counters to planeswalkers, I think now twice on his cards because okay. he has the M19 had it and then the M... Uh, whatever the one with G- uh, uh, Garrick murdering people and fifteen. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. I think that that's the one that he gives counters to other people. Um, I mean, okay. So if we're talking about this as a new card type, first and foremost, creatures you control have vigilance is a static ability. It's good. It's fine. Like a mm-hmm. four mana enchantment that gives your creatures vigilance is like not playable in modern. So th- this is a good card. I think this card is cool. I don't ever see this getting played in modern. I like this card. I think it's the most boring rare planeswalker to me in this set yeah it is like everything we've just like seen this before all of the other rare planeswalkers in the set like were really exciting and this one was kind of just like huh i mean and, and maybe i'm um under i mean creatures having vigilance is probably really good in this set from a limited perspective and in general with a bunch of planeswalkers running around because your creatures can keep pushing but also have the ability to defend i mean gaining life is also really underrated this card is gonna be like so, uh, in previous sets, mm-hmm. this would have been a mythic rare uh, planeswalker. Yeah. Like, and this would have been a snap pick, first pick, and limited that would have blown your mind to have in your deck. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can get this at rare and limited is a nice indicator of the power level. Yeah. Because this being a rare versus a mythic is like this card's a house in limited. Well, but I think I think that's fair. Once again, we get into the permanent type thing. There's rares and limited. There's uncommons. You know, we'll get to Ashiok at one point where, like, in any other set, that Ashiok is powerful enough to be a mythic rare. It's just in this set. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, I don't think it's that much worse than, uh, Kaya from last set. And she was a mythic. Um, all right. Next card. Angrath's rampage, black, red sorcery. Uh, choose one target player sacrifices an artifact target player sacrifices a creature target player sacrifices a planeswalker. Love this card. Uh, Huge fan of this card. We entered into this set being, you know, when, when we did, when you and Michael did the, uh, preview card episode, uh, with Gideon's, um, triumph, you know, one of the conversations was like, Oh, there's like no good, um, edict effects in modern right now. As of this set coming out, there's now three. (laughs) Yeah. And this one's, 
probably the most powerful. So this is like a card that you would you would consider this in the same class. Like similar cards would be Colagon's Command, Terminate, Dreadbore. Uh, those are like sort of the comps of like what you're playing yeah, this card in, with. Like if you're gonna play this card, you have to choose between Terminate, Dreadbore. And this Colgon's command, the devil, like those are like yeah. those are like the card, the class of card we're talking about. The Rakdos. Um, yeah, and like they're all pretty interesting cards. I think this being a two mana edict is strong. I, I think that's mm-hmm. probably the strongest. I also think for two mana target player sacrifices of Planeswalker is is quite strong, considering considering like the problem the problem is, okay, like if you want to get rid of an artifact in modern. An edict on an artifact is not going to be good against those decks because they're going to have like seven. So sure. they'll just they'll sacrifice their Dark Steel Citadel or like they, so you're not going to get much value out of that part of it. Wait, Dark Steel Citadel, the best artifact in modern? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're going way back on that. Uh, uh, and I, you know, I think an edict effect is always good. Liliana's proven that, and sacrificing a Planeswalker is ex- is extremely good because you're almost always going to have one target. Yeah, I think I think the sacrifice the artifact thing you're, is more often just going to be a, you get them. Like sometimes they play an artifact and and you're able to get them with it. The two main ones to me are going to be more the creature and Planeswalker, but like artifacts really good against. Um, uh, amulet decks because you can get rid of amulet with it, right? Or it's actually pretty decent against Tron decks because you can get rid of Mather Map on turn one. Or where, um, where I especially like Angrass Rampage is, and you don't really see these decks in modern very much. Like those Talisman decks never really picked up. But like Highlander, I, probably to some degree Commander formats that want to play Signets and Talismans on turn two. This is like a fun way to have something in your deck sure. that can like interact with that, but also is a creature edict. That's where I see it. I'm like, okay, this is why I would play this. <laughs> I mean, sure. I think the reason I play this is just like Boggles is a deck and Geist might come back at some point and there's other hexproof threats that are just really good and this is the another really important tool that's good in more matchups, especially because Planeswalkers are going to be seeing more play going forward. Look at Ashiok, look at uh, Teferi. Like, casting this one, they have a Teferi across the board. Like, that seems like huge game. Being able to kill, like, a creature and or their Planeswalker. It is interesting that Innocent Blood, Diabolic Edict, and Chainer's Edict, none of those are legal in Modern. Mm-hmm. The one of those is going to get printed into Modern Horizons. Like, you think so? Guaranteed. Okay. <laughs> like, there's cards that you're just like, how is this not in yet? Sure. And that's, the, that's one of the cards. All right, next card. Uh, first uncommon planeswalker, Angrath, Captain of Chaos. Two, black red hybrid, black red hybrid, legendary planeswalker, Angrath. Uh, creatures you control have menace. He is uh, starts at five loyalty and only has a minus two, a mass two. Put two plus one plus one counters on an army you control. If you don't control and create a zero zero black zombie army, creature token first. First off, I feel bad for Angrath. He just wants to go home to his family and keeps getting pulled by the immortal sun into places and isn't allowed to leave story (laughs) (laughs) uh so his whole story was he was trapped on ixalan for like years because that was like once you go there you're trapped and then like as soon as he was able to leave he got brought to ravnica but uh the other cool thing and the continuation from his other card is he is the planeswalker that can like mind control creatures okay he has like the red mind control effect in his power suite like threaten basically the threaten right threaten effects and so him being the weird amass to Planeswalker, but he's not on Bullis' side, was a weird callback. But it's a callback to the fact that he's stealing the different army tokens and making them happen. Um, amass is an interesting mechanic. I guess we can start talking about it here. The fact that, like, in modern, it's almost better than it is in standard. Because if you're going to play with an amass card, it's going to be the only one. So it mostly is just getting the token creature. But the... Angrath kind of has two abilities, minus two, make a 2-2 token, and then minus two, 
make that give a token plus one plus two plus two right like it makes it bigger and bigger yeah i think also i mean he's the first one we're talking about in the uncommon bracket but often people have looked at planeswalkers and said like all right so if you're only getting the minus ability this is a really slow sorcery speed version of this right mm-hmm. like like historically like let's say blue uh, blue green four mana cure it's like you get explore you get explore and like a fog because they'll try to kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, with these ones, because they only have one ability, they have no pluses. Right. You're just playing something that gives your creatures menace, and you, you're going to get two activations of this amass ability. Mm-hmm. It's four mana for four power over two turns, and these creatures have menace. Right. And I'm wondering, like, does this does the uncommon class with a single ability kind of almost qualify as its own card type as well? Additionally, like the 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 like multiple the multiple activation rare static ability planeswalkers are different than the only minus planeswalkers. Well, I mean, they, there are cards that I can see them costing incorrectly, like just like, and we'll talk about Ashiok, which I think is probably the best example of that. And I keep bringing uh, them up because they are really strong. And <laughs> uh, one of my picks for probably one of the better cards. But the fact that you have, like, it's harder to cost. I would like, I wouldn't, and, and it would take effort to cost something not knowing, like, oh, if they only minus, then I can maybe make them a little bit more powerful than you normally would make a planeswalker. But then that. Yep. Has the opposite effect of making it possibly too strong. Um, all right. Next card. Arboreal Grazer. One green, zero three beast. It has reach. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Tap. This card is pretty interesting for modern, actually. Yeah. So this is better than Sakura Tribe Scout because... I disagree, but you can go Because through. you get multiple activations out of the scout? So someone did, and it was... I, I wish I remember the tweet of the person who did it. It was a pro who is known to play the deck. Uh the deck being Amulet Titan. Um, and he basically broke down like this card versus that card and how much mana you get to and when. And it basically, Sacred Tribe Scout gets you to, I think it was four mana by turn two or turn three versus Arboreal Grazer that doesn't get you until turn f- three to f- six mana. Um, so it gets you a little bit higher on turn three, but on turn two is when you need the extra land. They broke it down better than I'm doing right now. I do like that it's a sloth beast. <laughs> <laughs> sloth beast. We need more of those in magic. I guess I guess the other thing too is like you don't really care about blocking in that deck. Like that's not really what you want to do. We're right. like all in on the combo. So it being a zero three reach is like okay. I think yeah, the fact that it happens at that moment and it costs you a green mana versus putting it down on turn one and then turn two and three being able to go off with the, the Sacred Tribe Scout makes yeah. the Tribe Scout better. Um, makes sense. I do think this is, you know, worth talking about. And I think in an environment where you want a zero three reach, like that's a different, like that's part of the thing that I think does make it interesting is like this is a much bigger roadblock to a format with a bunch of two two flyers, for instance, that uh, modern currently is not, but could be. And then having this in the sideboard that's on game plan is a valuable tool. How did you get that it's a sloth beast? You're it's in the assume. art. The, the artist get a breakdown on how he came up with it. Okay. He like combined a deer and a sloth. You're such a nerd. <laughs> wow. How does it feel to be on a magic podcast? <laughs> Next, we got Arlen, Voice of the Pack, four green, green, legendary planeswalker Arlen. Each creature you control that's a wolf or werewolf enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. You can minus two to create a two, two wolf creature token. Comes out at seven loyalty, so it can at max make, well, without any shenanigans of proliferating, make three, two, two tokens while giving each of your werewolves uh, a lord ability, basically. So it feels like this is mostly a casual card, yeah. right? Like a fun card. People I know who who was that love wolves? Was it Dreamer? Yeah. Andrew right. Dreamer. Andrew Dreamer used yeah. to love wolves. Um but I, I, I uh, did send him this picture. Yeah. As soon as it came out of this card, and then the other there's like the wolf card that goes along with her. Uh 
know, that wasn't his phone number anymore. But <laughs> in in limited, definitely this card's going to be sweet. Here's the question though: at six mana, where do you pick this? Like you, because it's nine power over three turns for six mana. It's more than that. Oh yeah, yeah, it's nine power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, if you can find any way, like I, I don't. There are other wolves in the set. Are there blinks? The ways to get this back? Well, there's proliferate. Yeah, you... everywhere in limited. This card is a. I mean, it's a six drop green. I think it's comparable to like any of the like make two four, two two tokens or three two two token yeah, yeah, yeah. cards from Selesnya. Uh But yeah, I think you pick it. I think in a modern, obviously, it's not it's not a thing. I do think this like I would love to make a mono green wolf's commander deck with this as a commander. I mean, that was the big argument that also happened while you were gone was whether planeswalkers should be commanders or not. Oh sure. Um, I think I saw that was my Twitter was blowing up constantly on the road. Oh yeah, I like picked up all with the your internet. notifications. I mean, they're our notifications, but yeah, you yeah. just interact and like pick fights on Twitter. All I'm saying is that Planeswalker <laughs> should be able to be used as commanders. You yeah. can go watch a Command Zone episode that I was on. Sister podcast, they're great. They do commander content every we week. Love the Command Zone. Uh, and I was on an episode where we talked about if legendary planeswalkers should be uh commanders. Uh, all right. All right. So this is the next card. And the next card is possibly my pick for best card in the set, though there's I have another one, but this is high. Uh, it is Ashiok Dream Render. I'm glad we're talking about it early since I keep mentioning it. Uh, one blue-black hybrid, blue-black hybrid. Legendary Planeswalker, Ashiok. Spells and abilities your opponents control can't cause their controller to search their library. Uh, it has a five loyalty and it only a minus one. Uh, target player puts the top four cards of their library into your graveyard, then exile each opponent's graveyard. So, a couple things about this. Foils are going to look so dope. It's such a cool-looking <laughs> card already. Like, oh, yeah. And the fact that it's only uncommon. Now, I think uncommon foils are probably already through the roof because, like, everybody knows this card is nuts. Yes. Like, I think an uncommon uh, foil is probably, like, $12 already or something. But uh, I, And it feels like because this set's going to be open pretty heavily and it's only an uncommon, it's probably worth actually waiting. And, like, those foils will probably go down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think you have time for it to, to bounce back. It also has, like... it. It's uh fourteen ninety nine out of stock for a foil. That's so stupid. Uh, That's so dumb. It's that, an uncommon. It's a two dollar uncommon. No, I mean like like fatal push uncommons were like or fatal push foils at the they time. Were not fifteen dollars. Yeah, they were. They were twenty bucks. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so let me break like so so important things to keep in mind. First, this doesn't work the way that um like the, like the a white, arbiter on path yeah, to exile right where yeah. where path to exile you can't like. Pat, turn path into like the best card ever printed and you can't like ghost make ghost quarter into strip mine with with Ashiok because it's abilities that uh they control don't allow them to search not abilities don't let them to search but it is a three mana permanent that's going to make it so they can't crack a fetch land yeah, yeah there's there's it's still really good like the fact that they can't crash fetches the fact that it does like a small blood moon um imitation is like really strong they don't there's not a lot of great tutors in modern i mean you have like you have like um the D delirium one you have traverse the open wall to play people play yeah. you obviously have fetch lands what's the best like straight up card tutor like what's the well, closest where we'll get to it later today i think the yeah. blue green the new blue green sack like yeah pod effect you, you have eldritch evolution um, like, you, the, the most played is like it's uh it's a court of calling court of calling and the green one pact the pact the green pact yeah summoner's pact like so both of those are like those are real i mean yeah. i think like but ashiok also oh. doesn't turn them off turns off primeval titan turns off primeval titan yeah that's really good yeah, actually because yeah. like the summoner's pact is important to stop but if they just cast the Primeval Titan, it turns off Teleria West. They're still boned, but the fact that they can cast a Prime Time and they're just—it's just a six-six. 
Yeah. And that's their big play. Yeah. If you have this in play, they can't interact with this card. They don't have creatures to attack. They have like an Azusa. Well, but they have like, we've just got a bunch of cards to be able to kill Planeswalkers. But yes, correct. This card has like, you know, Kai is seeing play. And one of the reasons Kai is seeing play is because minus one to, you know, get rid of a, a one or less permanent and or, and Nick's kind of the same reason for that. Or, you know, getting rid of cards in graveyards. The other part of this ability, which is, you know, delve fuel plus eat your opponent's graveyard and all their phoenixes is like also really strong like the amount of strategies that this card single-handedly eat, like fights against is i think one of the reasons people are considering it to be main deck bolt and i think the fact that it hits fetch lands is like the main it, reason it like it's minus, relevant in every matchup it minus ones to mill yourself and then exiles their graveyard and yeah. it does it five times yep like that's you get 20 so cards into your graveyard that's so good. This card. Not to mention that in, in the blue black mill deck or the mono blue mill deck that like has popped up from time to time sure. and I have tried to make work. This card is a slam dunk. Oh, yeah. Of. Yeah, like, yeah. It stops their fetch lands incidentally while also giving the ability to mill a third of their deck. Right. Is crazy. And and like, you know, I mentioned Delve, but even just like the fact that it's their graveyard, not all graveyards. This is a cyborg card out of Dredge even in some situations where it's just like i make my graveyard bigger and you no longer have access to your graveyard phoenix player or mere match dredge player like oh my good playing this against dredge seems so good yeah just like i mean now granted they'll have already like gotten going and they'll probably have something on the battlefield by the time this comes well, but down. if you're on the if you're on the play bringing this in is like easy like and against dredge you're all off to be on the play because their game one is better than most yeah this card's really sweet i it's this might be the best card in the set for modern honestly it's up there. Yes. It's really good. Um, Awake. That's why foils are $15. <laughs> uh, Awakening the B2 Gazi. Three green green instant. Put nine plus one plus one counters in target land you control. It becomes a legendary zero zero elemental creature with haste named B2 Gazi. It is still a land. Uh, one of my favorite things that happened in the story of War of the Spark, and the story is going to be relevant this episode. Sorry, Ben, but it's what we're doing here, uh, is that like each of the guilds got to use their like final weapons. And this was the Selesnya one. They like rose their tree god into a being. And that's what this is uh, representing. Now, the modern relevance is that this makes a uh, Ink Moth Nexus into a 10-10 flying infect creature. And you lose if you get hit by that. Now, that is a little bit more relevant in probably formats like Commander. But in modern, I've seen people talking about it. There's also like other weird, like there's the Graftland uh, it's called Lano Reborn. It's got yeah. my favorite art ever. So you can just make it like you give them these counters go on it, but then can be moved off because of the graft ability. Like there's like other weird shenanigans of just making a land this big. It being an instant is super, super, super relevant. Yeah. Oh, if this was a sorcery, it would not be relevant to talk about even. Yeah. I mean, the, you mentioned Inkmoth Nexus and it's a little wonky because you're going to need the, the two mana, one to actually attack, the other to activate, and then five additional to cast this. On the, if you want to just get them. But, I mean, that is a thing you can do. Yeah. But you can also just on turn five leave mana untapped, make your land, and then untap, and then attack with, with at, you know, at the end of their turn, animate your Inkmoth Nexus, and then uh, when you untap, just win. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I think it's like not a non-relevant card. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Next card, three green blue. Bioessence Hydra, Hydra Mutant. It's trample. Bioessence Hydra enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each loyalty counter on a planeswalker you control. Whenever one or more loyalty counters are put on a planeswalker you control, put that many plus one, plus one counters on Bioessence Hydra. Looking it up. Got it right here. All right, let me read the card. Just kidding. The uh, art's cool. <laughs> uh, it's a. Uh, 
real big trampling dude. I don't yeah. know if it'll see play in modern. I do like the way they played with loyalty abilities. I think there's my favorite card in the set that does this is a planeswalker, not not this guy, but I, I think it's cool. I think it's fine. It's yeah, I mean look, it, the rate's okay. A five mana four four trample is fine. It's not great. You get four four tramples for four sometimes now. The fact that though with a single planeswalker on the battlefield, this is probably a seven seven or an eight eight trample for five. Mm-hmm. And it's quite possible that this thing, if you're playing it in the right deck. Now granted, if you're gonna play a five mana creature, there's probably a five mana planeswalker you would just rather be playing than this. Sure. Uh, so I think it makes it a little loose, but it's a cool card. Yeah, I think I think the main like there are going to be people that attempt planeswalker tribal decks now, and this could be a top end finisher to that deck if they need a way to kill someone. I mean, you could play this as the finisher in the deck you're talking about with enough planeswalkers that like you have it in a deck with red that de- that has yeah. the ability to give it haste. It comes down with twenty power and, and just attacks. a one off kill. Yeah, like it, it can be a twenty twenty pretty easily. Yeah, and that's I think maybe the reason it would be relevant. All right, next card, blast zone land. This could be one Sweet. of the other best cards in the set. Uh, definitely in the top five. Uh, blast zone enters the battlefield with a charge counter on it. You you can tap it to create a colorless. Uh, you can pay XX and tap it to put a charge counter on the blast zone, uh, which means that it two mana for one counter so it's put x charge counters onto it and then you pay three and tap it to sacrifice blast zone destroy each non-land permanent with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on blast zone so this is like some combination of uh, an engineered explosives an oblivion stone and like a something <laughs> and a land yeah and, and and what's the one that you tap it to put a charge counter on it and uh ratchet bomb yeah ratchet bomb yeah it's kind of in that world um it's really cool look i think Generally speaking, anytime you can play a land that's untapped, an untapped land that has an effect like this is really strong. I mean, the, oh, the, yeah. the difference between uh, what's the what's the one that I always try playing in stupid tempo decks, the Exalted Land, sure, uh, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, that card comes in tapped. Right, it's the literal difference between that card being like an awesome, awesome, mm-hmm. awesome card and like basically unplayable. If this card was tapped, I think it would still actually be playable. Probably, mm-hmm. it just would be slower. But the fact that it comes in untapped, it's like a free removal spell. Yeah. Like, your deck can it's just really run this, good. and we'll be able to kill creatures with it, and you'll be happy. Now, do you consider this, when you're putting this into a deck, do you consider this a full land, or do you consider it, like, 70% of a land? Because, guess, like, it depends on how many colors you're playing. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. I mean, the, cards like this, and cards with abilities especially, are ones that allow you to go up to 25, 26, 27 right. lands, which is going to help you mitigate mana flood, which is really strong. The fact that this also is, you know, there are good tutors for lands. Like, I think this can be easily in the sideboard of many decks that can just tutor for a land that they need for specific matchups. I think the fact that this is just like a free roll, like, I think the real conversation is, do you play this over Field Ruin? Like, that's currently the premier remove, you know, land that's good in the format. And we have some other lands that haven't seen play. There's the Graveyard one, the one that you can sacrifice a desert, it being a desert, so you can sacrifice itself to exile all graveyards. Doesn't really see play in Modern. Is this better than that? And I think this is. I mean, I've yeah. definitely been like, I need my lands to be able to kill a creature. This can kill a creature. Yeah. This, I mean, for sure. And like, because it doesn't target. I also think that there's a chance that like lands decks are, you know, modern. Wizards is focusing on modern horizons to introduce strategies that they wish modern had more of in strength. And lands is a deck that's always kind of on the verge. You know, you have like Countryside Crusher and you have Loam and like all these abilities, right, but right, just right. never really got there because it doesn't have good lands to do anything with. I can see, and there's another card in this set that we'll talk about that is leaning into that. There's a new, you know, pitch lands that do damage to someone. This card can take out a Slippery Bogle or a... Yes. 
Like the fact that this is a land that can that cannot lose against bottles. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yep. Very good. Um, next card. Bolas Citadel. Three buck by black. Legendary artifact. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may play the top card of your library. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than paying its mana cost. Sacrifice 10 non-land permanents. Each opponent loses 10 life. Um, the last ability is like middlingly relevant. It's the middle one that like could make this a very busted card. It has a pedigree along with ad nauseum or um Yagamoth's bargain yep. of just being a very powerful card draw engine that could, if you build a deck correctly, win the game for you. So what format does this get you most excited for? Uh, I know which one you're thinking of. I think <laughs> I think that uh I think that this like there are better players out there that have talked and put out lists of like how this could be powerful and modern. Yep. Um in eternal formats. I know in Legacy, I know in vintage people are like this card might be problematic because you just have all of the zero cost boxes and everything else. I think it's obviously good in probably something like Highlander, though I've been cutting Yagamas Bargain in that format, which is it. legal. Yeah. So like I don't know if this is better than Yagamas Bargain. I think it's probably worse. No, uh, I think I think this is better than Bargain. because uh, you don't because you can draw cards. <laughs> well, yes. And also because if you build your deck correctly with all zeros and ones, you don't lose a life for playing a zero sure. cost card. So there's a lot of zero cost cards you can play. Right. When you pay one life to draw a, a Lotus Petal, it's like not as good. Whereas if you this, you just cast Lotus Petal and it's just free. The last ability on this, mm-hmm. not that I think you're necessarily going to win with it very often in the deck we're talking about, it, it, but it's, it's just sitting there and it's like, okay, if you're at 10 or less, when my chain starts, then I just kill you at a certain point in my chain. Right. If you can put this in like an eggs deck or a just like zero cost artifacts in your deck in total go off deck, like a pure steel paladin deck, Cheerios, like this can just be a win condition because you can sacrifice all your bad zero cost artifacts. It's also a black card. It's a black artifact. Colored artifacts often like are really interesting because it's like searchable. Well, things. it's, it's int- so did you read Mark Rosewater's article on like their new philosophy as far as colored artifacts go? No. So this is the first set and you see it with all the colored artifacts that they're now, they realized after Kaladesh block that colored artifacts just shouldn't be a rare thing. Like they should just take advantage of it. It allow them to create artifacts that are cool and powerful, but also have... A restriction. You the restriction being a card. You don't have the same problem of like all artifacts. If because if you print an artifact that's too good, it can end up in every deck in standard. Right. Because it's colorless, and so by making them colored, they can create more powerful effects that get put in every, that can't be put into every single deck. Which is another version of they might be printing. You know, there's a bunch of weird new permanent types in this set. This is a this is an F and M win condition that's going to be really fun for someone. It's mm-hmm. going to be really hard in modern for this to be tier one competitive. Ad nauseum costing five already is difficult. Uh, but this is something that ad nauseum doesn't. You can play it and not have to. I think this. I think this. This has a different deck than ad nauseum behind it, and I think it has powerful potential. I do think it's better in vintage. Do you think dark ritual is going to be in modern horizons? No, absolutely not. Uh, next card, bolt bend three and a red. This spell costs three less to cast if you control a creature with power four or greater. Uh, change the target spell or ability with a single target. So this is a swerve or a um, what's the free one? Misdirection. Mm, mis- yeah, misdirection. Yeah. Uh, for one red mana, that's really good. 
For yeah. four mana, it's medium. Well, it's, there's a couple things in modern specifically that I think it actually does that's that, that are really interesting. So the first one is if you are playing an aggressive deck, like let's just say you're playing Grixis Shadow, mm-hmm. this this allows you to have a red counterspell for a hand disruption spell. Right. Um, like a single red counterspell that thought seizes your opponent when they try to thought seize you is pretty good. <laughs> well, also just a, a, it's a counterspell for counterspells. Yeah. Like you can you can change the target of a counter spell to bolt bend and that or to another spell, so it's not that hard to just take advantage of this. Um, you know, saves your creature from removal spell. Um, there's a lot of different versions of this card being really powerful in decks that are already playing. What's the one blue counter spell that? Um, spell pierce. No, for if you have a creature four greater. Stubborn denial. Stubborn. It's like a it's the red stubborn denial. Yeah, totally. This card's sweet, this and card. it's a little better because I think that. Late game, uh, if you don't have a 5-5 five, five creature in play or a 4-4 four, four creature in play, uh, being able to just cast a 4-4 four, four mana is better than Stubborn Denial's 1-mana tax, right? Hey, um, and, and and when I say the 4-mana side of it, I mean the sense that with Stubborn Denial, if you don't have a creature in play, it's a 1-mana like yeah, yeah, it's ma- a, uh, a tax. It's a 4-spike for, four spike for one. Creature. And Bolt Bend at 4-mana still does the thing it does without the creature in play. For and I'd sure. rather spend 4-mana to guarantee a thing than 1-mana to, like, maybe get them. Yeah. Next card is Bond of Flourishing. Green and 1, Sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a permanent card from among them. Put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. You gain through life. This card is good. Uh, why is green better at cantripping than blue? <laughs> I mean, it's not, like, this costs 2. So, if, if blue had a comparable card... It does. Right. So, well, like anticipate. Yeah, that's an instant though, and this is a this permanent gains card. you through life. Yeah, but it's only a permanent card. It gains you through life. Yeah. <laughs> card's good. I mean, I think this card's sweet. Yeah. I, I was trying to think like I don't see this being played in modern. I was like, would I find room it's for this? Borderline though. It's like not that like telling time seems playing modern. Like there's like other blue bad cantrips that I've seen played before. This is. In a format where gaining through life is much stronger than normal, just because burn and other things are trying to get your life total and your life total starts so low, I think like instigant a life gain is always something to be paying attention to. I mean, I paid attention to this card. It's I, yeah. I can't think of a modern deck right now that this would slot into. Correct. Maybe, maybe like if Amulet Titan is against burn and is like, I need a way to not die, I'll be a turn slower to get a land, but I'll gain three life every time I dig. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Well, I think uh, like decks that aren't blue that need. Or red. Like, if you're not blue or red, because those both have, like, Faithless Looting available to you, or Opt or Serum Visions, being able to, like, really, like, a Boggles deck, being able to, like, take a turn to look for a card that you need and stabilize a little bit, because you gain through life to, like, kind of mitigate the fact that you tapped two mana for a turn. I mean, specifically against Burn, it's interesting, because the extra mana is a discard spell. Right. So that's, like, really good. Um, I was thinking, like, do you have a Highlander deck you'd play this in? Would you play this in that lands deck? You'd just send me a teamer list. Yeah, exactly. So that's like a, if, if that's a lands deck, and that's a format that plays. Well, why, burn. I mean, that deck is like half spells, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this wouldn't go into my Jun deck, which is like sure. my lands deck. Uh, uh, burning Prophet, red and colorless, human wizard. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Burning Prophet gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. Then scry one. It's a one three. Um, I'm a fan of these these cards. Are, this is this a reprint or is this a? I thought it was a reprint. Maybe I thought so because you told me. It's pretty similar to other cards. The only difference is the scry. Like, the scry is what makes this significant. Nope, it's not a reprint. Yeah, the scry makes it significant. It's uh, There's a lot of effects like this, but, like... The fact that it gets... it's It has, like, a semi... 
uh, prowess and scry both yeah. attached to it. Makes it like you get bigger as you're casting spells, and you get to like make sure you get more spells as you go. In well, yeah, like in your Jeskai Ascendancy style deck, right? This is this is like a card you want. The problem is that deck doesn't usually need the creature that has the plus. The Jeskai Ascendancy deck just wants the bird to win. Sure. So yeah. well, yeah, more of a tempo play thing. But yeah, sure. Uh, Callus Dismissal, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Uh, it is blue and co- uh, color, so it's two mana. It's a sorcery, but you amass one, so you do get a creature out of it. Yeah. Um, this is kind of like a good example of where I think amass isn't good enough yet. Where, like, if this was... But, like, if we had a 1-1 creature that entered the battlefield for blue and a colorless, bounce a creature, bounce a permanent, non-land permanent to the owner's hand, we'd be talking about that card, Right. Absolutely. I think this card's better than you're giving it credit for. I think I think it's exact like it's not blinkable, which is like where you're the difference between the card you're talking about. Sure. Like a like an Aether Adept for two is like not a thing. But this is almost like uh, bouncing an online permanent in whether it's limited or it's right. like a sideboard card, uh, in any format really, like it has some significance. There's like giant Mana War has seen and, play in every format it's legal. <laughs> so yeah, I mean this I mean, in modern it's the one that also makes it so they can't cast the spell, but yeah. There's going to, at a certain point, be a deck that's like, okay, so what I need to be able to do is I need to interact with an artifact and then mm-hmm. also have an, a creature to sacrifice for this tutor effect or something. And then right. I'm like, oh, this is the card I need. Yeah, You'll yeah. see two copies in their sideboard. Yeah, like, that's I, what will happen. Or like, or like a, uh, if Cobblade, like a Cobblade-like strategy where you're playing the Black Green Sword and you just need like interaction and spells that make some amount of creatures so you can start attacking and making sure your mana is always untapped. It's also the fact that, are the amassed tokens... They're zombies, right? Yeah, they are zombies. So, so the zombie deck, there's relevance. Yeah, oh, zombies have a... We'll, we'll get into zombie tribal a little bit, but there's been a lot of boons to the zombie tribal world. Uh, next card, Casualties of War. Two colorless, uh, black, black, green, green, so six mana, sorcery. Choose one or more. You get to destroy an artifact, destroy a creature, destroy an enchantment, destroy a land, and destroy a planeswalker. So you can do all of those. You can destroy a creature, artifact, creature, enchantment, land, or planeswalker, or if they don't have one of those things that not that so where the, where this is different from like other cards that have had similar text in the past is that like the card decimate if i recall yeah this is this is the golgari decimate it's like two steps above and you can but kill. decimate you can't cast unless you have all the targets right correct yeah because like so, so this is this card is sweet um it's hard to cast obviously it's got a lot of colored mana symbols on it sure it six but like but, there's like an out of a jund deck as a sideboard card just like if there's like a long a game like there are like i can see this being a one of in a lot of jund sideboards just from the perspective of is there a deck that this is really good against that jund goes long against but needs like a control finisher and like against jess guy this is gonna end or blue up- white control. Like you get a Teferi, you kill a Colonnade, you kill like the enchantment that they use as a removal spell, any type of O ring effect. You get one of their random creatures, and you get rid of like an artifact that they have. I think in general you can count on this card being a three for one most of the time. Yeah, and six mana three for one in the deck that wants value. That's exactly what that deck wants. Right. Like they're happy paying two mana for like value for like a one for one effect. Mm-hmm. So one card getting you that times three, pretty good. Really good. And, like in the mirror too. Can you imagine like? Yep. This card is like the mirror breaker in the yeah, like in like killing the Liliana, or, a oh, yeah. uh, raging ravine, and yep, like their resources are just shrunk so hard. Uh, Chandra's Triumph, red and colorless, uh, instant. Chandra's Triumph does three damage to target creature or planeswalker, and opponent controls. If you have a Chandra, it does five damage. Um, Why are we talking about this card? <laughs> because it's a planeswalker removal spell in like mono red. Like Got I think it. that's more the planeswalker half of this card is the more relevant one. The fact that it does like a bad lightning bolt impression is important, but five damage to a planeswalker at instant speed is relevant. Um, but that's it. Yeah. Cool. Chandra, the artisan. Uh, red, red two. 
Uh, legendary Planeswalker Chandra. Whenever one or more loyalty counters are removed from Chandra, Fire Artisan, she deals that much damage to target opponent or Planeswalker. It's a stack ability. Plus one, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. Minus seven, exile the top seven cards of the library. You may play them this turn. She comes down at four. Uh, she's a rare. So this is another one of the rare Planeswalkers. I think yep. this is much better than a Johnny. <laughs> uh, I don't know if this is going to be super powerful. But one thing I will say is I love her stack ability. I think it's really, really cool. The fact that like you have to, if you attack Chandra, she'll either kill the creature that attacked her or... Um, Oh, no, not to any creature. So she'll just do that damage to the player or a Planeswalker that they control. She has the, like, Boros Reckoner effect in that sense. Right. The Spite Mare effect where just, like, you don't want to mess with her because you'll take damage. Right. And it gives her a little bit a little bit of security. And she just draws cards. I mean, like, that, the drawing card part of Chandra is one of the kind of really important things they added to her power suite. And I think this card is good. I don't think it's better than the four mana Chandra that we're playing right now, but with four abilities. But I think, like, there's just, like... More, it's interesting that this is now a part of things that she can do, and I'd like to see her take advantage of this ability moving forward. The design forward. on this card is really cool. Um, it's really, really cool because there's a couple things. You, It's not cast it, it's play it, which means that if it's a land, you can put it into play. So if you cast this on turn five, you plus it, it's a land, you just play it. Right. The fact that you plus it, she doesn't have a defense, but they attack it, and if they can't kill it, they're going to take damage, and you just keep plussing and drawing cards. Mm-hmm. She's going she's gonna to be a burn spell, and she's going to draw your cards. And if they don't want to take the damage or they don't interact, she gets she gets ultimate in a pretty good way pretty fast. Is, her ultimate is just draw seven cards. That's good, but not, like, well, backbreaking. And, and, but remember, also, her ultimate is seven damage. You're right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's do seven damage and draw seven cards. Okay, much better than I kind of thought about it. Pretty yeah, strong. you're right. You're I, right. You're right. I think this card's pretty good, actually. Like, it, I mean, we talk about... We haven't mentioned the card doubling season once yet, <laughs> even though like it's the it's like the relevant planeswalker helper at all times. I do think that there's going to be that doubling season deck is going to be a thing people are going to do. Know. I mean, like the problem with the doubling season deck is always that it's five mana to cast an enchantment that doesn't do anything when you cast it. Yeah, and it doesn't really do anything until the next turn. But when it does, next turn you win generally, which is part of that. So fine. It's just it's a sorcery speed. Five mana win condition, and yeah. there are other ones of those that exist that win you the game quicker. I like this card, but it's not going to make a major impact. But it's a cool card. Uh, Command the Dreadhorde, four black, black sorcery. Choose any number of target creatures under Planeswalker cards in your graveyards. Command the Dreadhorde deals damage to you equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards. Put them onto the battlefield under your control. This wow. is a like. I missed this card. <laughs> yeah, it exists. <laughs> I don't think I don't think this is better than um, Living End. I think you still like are just the hoops you have to jump through to make Living End happen is still going to be better than casting a six drop sorcery that does a ton that of does a to damage to you. But like, there's possibly a win condition here that you're not thinking of, and the fact that it gets Planeswalkers back is interesting. Mirror Superior um, costs two. You only take two to get a Superior back. Just saying. So exciting! I'm excited. Hypocrisite costs two. Also get an Hypocrisite back. That's true. It's a four 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 four. Pretty good. Six mana, four, Just four. Just saying. <laughs> that does two damage to you. Uh, next card. <laughs> Commence the end game. Uh, four blue, blue, instant. This spell can't be countered. Uh, draw two cards, then amass X, where X is the number of cards in your hand. Um, first off, this is an uncounterable, theoretically, four, four, instant creature that draws you two cards. So, like, just on that level, there's something to talk about. One thing I do want to talk about that's really interesting about this card is how much of a consecutive design this set has been to the Avengers story over the last two years. Okay. So both 
feature a purple themed bad guy who has collected X amount of artifacts that are extremely powerful over the last couple five years to eventually attack a group of heroes that he brings all together to fight him. Um, and then they come out with this card called Endgame. And this set and the set before it even, like all the stuff that this was doing, was locked before Infinity War even came out. So, like, there was a lot of stuff that they were doing that was obviously very similar and on purpose, but it, it's interesting how similar they ended up actually getting to her. This card is, like, sweet, but not playable in well, I don't know. I agree with that. Six mana instant that draws you two cards and gets you a creature that is a 6-6 six, six that can't be countered. So you think maybe like this is a one of in the sideboard of like a Jessica of like the of, of like, like the Colonnade deck? The card that this is competing for is um Sphinx's, Sphinx's Revelation. So yeah. and I think this is better than Sphinx's Revelation in a lot of situations, especially right now in a world where Phoenix decks and other blue decks are everywhere and they have decent counter spells. So you're just like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna like we're just gonna like card advantage each other and then I'm just gonna cast this end of turn against your Jeskai or your uh Azorius deck. Sure. And I'm going to just untap with a 6-6 and two cards because you didn't do anything because you couldn't right. counter this. Now, if you don't interact with it, you're going to die in a couple turns. Yeah. Seems sweet. Yeah. I think like there's there's more like this is, again, a mass is a weird mechanic where like a mass in multiples is worse than it is. It's kind of like Delph, right? Where like in limited, it's cool. But in modern, you want like one big mass card. And this is a one big mass card. Yeah. Art is also amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, Contentious plans. Blue one proliferate draw card. This, this card is, is sick. Yep. Uh, I don't even really know what to do with it yet. I just know that for over the years, I've looked at Steady Progress a million times. Which Steady Progress is two and a blue. Instant. Instant proliferate draw card. And I've always been like, God, if this only costs two. And then like when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's what I've always been looking for. But what the hell was I looking for it for? <laughs> I like couldn't remember anymore. I was like, but I know this. I'm, I'm going to realize one day that there was, a, there was a reason that I wanted to play this. I mean, like the first thing my brain goes to is that you can in infect, proliferate an infect counter, draw a card, and then fuel the uh, delve. Like it gives you delve fuel. Yeah. That's like the most medium version of this card in modern. Now, there's, that's not to say that there aren't better things to do with proliferate. It's just it. That's the base level. What can you do that's better than that? Do you think Pentad Prism foils are going to go up? Because I feel like Pentad Prism with all the proliferate and the cheaper proliferate cool. yeah. is like I a, don't hate it. That's like a thing. Yeah. Right. Like that's a card you're it, gonna. It can be a thing. Yeah. If you could, rep I mean, definitely with the the repeatable proliferates, yeah. the like non flux flux mage or whatever. That's going to be the thing. Yeah. That's Marshall. I can give Marshall credit on that one. He texted us that. Yeah. But he's right. Next card. Cruel Celebrant. Black and a white. Vampire. Uh, whenever Cruel Celebrant or another creature or planeswalker you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. It's a one-two. Uh, we are... There has to be a top end of Blood Artists that eventually you're just good enough to make a deck that involves Blood Artists. I also think Modern Horizons has already shown that it plans on making a black-white aristocrats deck better with the cards that they previewed for Modern Horizons between... Aren't we, like, just positive carrion feeder is going to get reprinted? Like, I mean, I've, I've like, I have, like, a 9 out of 10 chance bet on carrion feeder being um, that's printed. That's, like, one of my top cards. Yeah. I think when we did our predictions, I might have called that as my number one, yeah, actually. Yeah, like, most likely to be printed in the set. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that just this card is comparable to Blood Artist and... It's the second. It's the second best blood artist ever printed, and the only reason it's not the best blood artist ever printed is because it has white in its mana cost, which makes it like five percent harder to cast. <laughs> well, but it's it is also you control, which is why blood artist. Oh, is, it is you only you control. You're right. I blood, missed that. Blood artist is much better. Yeah, yeah blood is, artist is much is, better. This is Zulaport Cutthroat, except it's a one two. Uh, that's a one two as well. 
Yeah. Actually. Yeah. And this card's all right. It, it, it gets planeswalkers. It's a vampire. And a vampire. And Zolpot Cutthroat. But ours is. There's so a vampire thing so there. I think Zolpot Cutthroat is also a vampire. This is like a vampire ability. So yeah, I think. I mean, like, I think Aristocrats is just getting closer. I mean, they now have twelve of this effect. Right. That's a, the other important relevant thing. Is like I was already the last GPLA that was a modern event. Um. Or maybe two GPLAs ago, uh, that was a modern event. Um, we had Blood Artist. I lost one of the decks games I lost was against the Blood Artist Collective Company deck, where it just like there were just so many eventually that I was like, anything I do, I lose. Yeah. Like if one of these dies, I take seven. <laughs> um, next card, and this is a card that people are really excited about. Uh, Davriel Rogue Shadow Mage, two and a black, legendary planeswalker Davriel. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if that player has one or fewer cards in hand, uh, Davriel Rogue Shadow Mage does two damage to them. Target player discards a card, minus one, uh, on a three loyalty planeswalker. So it, it is a three mana target player, discards three cards. With a rack attached. Somebody tweeted at us the other day, right? And so yeah, I, I asked. Me, I asked Twitter like, "What cards are you most excited about?" Eight rack players are like foaming at the mouth for this card. Well, somebody said to me, and it, maybe it was just to me, and they said, "Hey, what do you think about Davriel? I'm considering this as a budget version of Liliana in my eight rack deck." Yeah, um, and I think it's a really strong consideration. I mean, it might be Liliana. Liliana's edict effect is the is the biggest thing in that deck. Like, sure, you want ways to proactively further your game plan that also allow you to interact, and so having a creature removal spell that also can make people discard cards is very significant. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be like, unfortunately, up, up up the creek without a paddle if you don't have a piece of interaction for like their death shadow. They're just going to kill you with right. But on the other hand, this gets you the win. Right. This is a, this is a win condition. This is a rack and like. Liliana's not. Sure. So damage is better than sacking permanence. Uh, yeah. I mean, one thing I'm, I'm, I mean, this is once again on the flavor side that I'm really excited about this card. This character is from the short story created by Brandon Sanderson, who's the writer behind Stormlight Archive and Mistborn and the book series I've been reading a lot recently. And I'm now rereading Stormlight Archive as we speak. Uh, I can show you my audiobook file and literally what's playing. Um, and it's really cool that he got a character that he got to create and then brought to life. And he's like a cool yeah. black uh, discard mage. And I'm all excited about it. Next card, Death Sprout. One black, black, green, instant, destroy target creature. Search your library for a basic land card. Put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Uh, one thing that's interesting is that this card didn't exist already. Yeah, it is, right? This is kind of like a Mulvani Acid Moss in some ways. It's, it's like rampant growth and destroy target creature attached to the same card just wasn't a thing that they had made ever. They, like, they, they, on the mothership, they were talking about how, like, it, when they printed this card or when someone came up with it, they're like, this has to exist. And they, like, looked and it just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like, the whole, like, do something, get something effect, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this, like, this is the creature kill version of Acid Moss is what it feels like. Yeah. It's just, but. <laughs> How did that not exist yet? Yeah. And especially with this casting cost, like, it, you're like, what? This wasn't this just in the original Ravnica? Right. It's, it's like, I'm, I'm going to use the word a lazy design, but it's not. I mean, like, it's, it's like very clean and, and really cool. The, the art, art is also, yeah. Dope. The art is stunning. Yeah. I, this, like, this set in general has stunning art on top of the fact that there's now an entire layer of, like, famous Japanese artists that did a bunch of anime versions, but, like, this card is really cool. Uh, I do think, I think this is, possibly playable i think it's like a weird include i don't think jund wants this so i don't know if it's actually playable in modern it is an instant which is relevant versus a sorcery like instant speed land rampant growth is something next card 
Um, deliver unto evil two black sorcery. Choose up to four target cards in your graveyard. If you control a bolus planeswalker, return those cards to your hand. Otherwise, an opponent chooses two of them. Leave the chosen cards in your graveyard and put the rest into your hand. Exile, deliver unto evil. So it is a like gifts ungiven out of your graveyard or just get four cards from your graveyard for three mana. I think the biggest issue is just getting cards into your graveyard is going to be hard. It costing three is significant. I mean, that's that's a pretty good rate. Four, um, four cards for three mana or two of the gifts ungiven ask situation for three mana. I think you still play gifts over this. People like I think this is maybe something that's really powerful in standard, but I think in modern is going to be not good enough. I think that honestly, um, for, for different names, no, no, up to four target cards in your graveyard. Yeah, yeah, but they have to be in your graveyard, and it's any card, so you can get instant sorceries, like you can get anything. So it is very powerful. I don't know what's going to be done with this card necessarily, but I think this card is really cool, and the art's dope. Yeah, this is another one of the better arts. Yeah, really cool. I think this card's really interesting, actually. Yep, I think it's good. Um, I don't, I can't figure it out just offhand, but like the cost is correct, uh, and and your your ability to like factor fiction gift style set mm-hmm. it up to work in your favor is gonna work. I think there's a few black like control decks or grindy decks that just playing one of these is like it, playing this instead of people were previously playing the like converge if you three mana draw three cards lose three life black card. Yeah. Um, this is better than that card. Yeah, I agree. Um, next card, D Spark, black and a white, uh, instant XL target permit with converted man cost four or greater. This kills a lot of good things. This is massive push. It's uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this card's good. Um, it exiles, which is really, really, really yep. relevant and interesting. Um, kills every planeswalker other than Liliana that currently sees play in modern. That will change, but for now, it kills uh, like Leyline of the Void. It's it kills exhausted. Leylines of Sanctity. It kills this it, in black, white, and instant exiling Jace into Fairy is very strong. Yep, like that's just on its own. Yep. Um, this exiling on Primeval Titan is really strong. Yeah, I think this card just totally pill. It exiles a, a Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, exiling a Phoenix. Um, now black, white. What's the deck? So this goes into Mar- Mardu Pyromancer. I mean, Esper is a thing. Mardu Pyromancer is a thing. Uh, black white tokens might become a thing based on what we talked about. Abzan. The Aristocrat deck. There's there's reasons to play black white together. Um, this feels like an Abzan card. Counter company. This maybe is like a one of a main deck Abzan. Yeah. Depending on what your what your meta is, you could play a couple more on the board. Yep. Uh, Domri Anarchabolus. One red green legendary planeswalker. Domri creatures you control get plus one plus zero. Plus one add red or green creature spells you cast this turn can't be countered. Minus two target creature controls fights target creature you don't control. Uh, three mana. Um, if there previously was a card that was three mana to give every one of your creatures a three mana planeswalkers that just had a plus give all your creatures plus one plus zero and made mana, it would be like theoretically considered to be played this does that plus is a removal spell i mean i think the biggest issue is that it's a planeswalker that doesn't protect himself but like i think this card's really good yeah like it's a it's a front-facing anthem permanently um so as as a i want to draw this to win with a creature deck Mm -hmm. it's a strong draw it's a i'm going to play this early off of like a mana bird and then i'm also going to advance my game state further right and on top of that it's a removal spell when you need to break a board stall i mean in limited this is going to be a house but it costs three i think this is one of the better this is one of the better good i think it's pretty strong yep 
And I would play this over Old Domri, which is, I think, the main competition it has. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you have to figure out what's your, where do you want that plus one plus oh? Mm-hmm. Like, what deck is that relevant in? Like, it's not just like making a four, four, or five, four. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing this in like the right deck with trample, something with flying, this, this yeah. card is good. Uh, spoilers also, Domri is one of the, I think, the three currently confirmed planeswalkers to die. Well, good for Domri. <laughs> good for Domri? Uh, Dovin's Veto. I know a lot of people are excited about this card. White and blue. Instant. This spell can't be countered. Counter target non-creature spell. I mean, it's just an uncounterable negate for blue-white. Yep. I think it's less good than people think. Uh, people play negate. Like like, I, I think it's I've seen fine. it get out of people's sideboards. I think modern. this will see play, but I don't... Like, I saw people on Twitter talking about this a lot. Like, this card is... Harder to cast than Negate. It's a good card. Yeah, it's not really hard. Like, blue-white decks are the main decks that are playing Negates. I mean, I guess there are blue-red ones that won't be playing this. I think it, I think it'll see play. I think it's like a just total workhouse card. Totally. With foil, that is going to look sick. Oh, uh, yeah. It's... it's- it's it's one of the it's the one of the promos too. It's one of the game day promos. I think. I'm really happy they're pushing Dovin. Um, I like Dovin cards. He also might be dying. Oh. Well, we don't know actually. Chandra lights him on fire. Got it. Well, Chandra's signature art is lighting Dovin on fire. I just like <laughs> Dovin cards. I think sure. Dovin hand of control to blue white hybrid. So it's white or blue. Uh, legendary planeswalker Dovin artifact instant sorcery spells your opponent's cast cost one more to cast. So it taxes your opponents, which is really strong. Until your next turn, prevent all damage that we built to uh, and dealt by target permanent and opponent controls. So it's a basically a tapper that taxes your opponent. This card's really good. This card goes along like it's uh, it's in the same vein as like Grand Arbiter August in the fourth or whatever that card is. Well, on the front end, yeah. Where, but like so, like Kiora, the blue green one. Yeah. Like I've tried playing that in modern before. I mean, blue green is not a good color combination, and. Like, but this is two very relevant halves of a card. It's good against Phoenix decks. It's good against Storm. It's good against Living Index. Um, and the fact that it also just like prevents a creature from attacking every turn. Yeah. Um, or like removes a threat. I I would play this card in Modern. I would definitely consider it. It's it's strong. Yeah, this card. I could see this card coming down in like if I'm playing a proactive creature deck and just like screwing me up really mm-hmm. hard because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, so now you make my my best threat can't do any damage to you, and also advancing my board is going to be that much harder. Right. You know? Yep. I think it's pretty good. Yep. I mean, it has, like, a Thalia effect attached to a, a, a Tapper, which I think are just two very strong things. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dreadbore Arcanist. One in a red. Zombie Wizard. Trample whenever Dreadbore Arcanist attacks. You may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost less than or equal to Dreadbore Arcanist's power from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile instead. I think this card's a little under the radar. card's sweet. This, uh, this is one of my favorite cards. The fact that it casts living end stuff is like... Like, there's now... Like, two different additional cards from this set make living end easier to cast on cards that are better than Cascade. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, just like, you, I mean, that's, you're talking like combo stuff. Mm-hmm. Just go even a little like looser. It's got one power and things that modern cost one. Like, you can just cast your serum visions when you right. attack with this guy. Right. Like, that's really good. Or just cast lightning bolt. Yeah. I think, I think honestly, this card being put into a Delver deck um, might actually be a thing. Delver. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying like the Delver. A Delver deck is hard sometimes because, like, setting up Delver is difficult. But then on top of that, like, using your mana efficiently and actually that competing with the style of play that, say, like, a Grixis Shadow has is not favorable. So I, I did this for Delver because I think that Delver, the card, is bad. 
in modern. I think that the type of strategy that Delver wants to play is very good. And so I think that this could be in a Delver style deck, but you'd play Terramander or you'd play one of the Grixis five fives or you play, you know, there's so many sure. other cards that are just better. Um, but this card is good with all of those. Yeah. I mean, also like, what if this is secretly the red to drop? This card is sick. It like has the potential to be better than young pyromancer. There's also the whole like, what about manipulating his power to cast expensive things? Right. I mean, like you're you've got you've got like you know. I think that was why it's like. But like, what about like you just throw a bone splitter on this guy? Like literally, that simple. And now he's attacking for three and casting like powerful things. Mm -hmm. If you get his power to four, you can cast cryptic command. Mm -hmm. Um, there. I mean, there's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I don't know exactly. Like, wait, is there some sort of combo with like this become immense and something insane? Fair. Yeah, yeah. There might be something. So you can probably manipulate. I mean, I don't exactly know what the most expensive instant or sorcery, but there's probably some massive one of the ultimatums. Like, what about like, what about some combo deck yeah. that wanted to play like cruel ultimatum with this and like a become immense and just all the self mill? Four color. Yeah. <laughs> just like a sure. track on turn three and just cruel. Yeah, I think, I think there's definitely cool things you can do with it. Sick. That sounds amazing. Uh, Brew that deck. Brew that deck. Dreadhorde Invasion. Uh, black and a colorless enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life and a mass one. Whenever a zombie token you control with power six or greater attacks, it gains life like until end of turn. So, so this is just strictly better than Bitter Blossom, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fired. <laughs> uh, so it's not better than Bitter Blossom. So mass, this is kind of the example of why a mass is better in singles than a multiples. Like getting a slightly bigger creature. Now, someone did the math. This does kill a person quicker than Bitter Blossom does. But the amount of useful things Bitter Blossom tokens are for and the fact that they're flyers and the fact that they can die and you have other ones still around attacking that turn. Um, it does do the second half, which like you, it's a lifelinker. So it, like that's semi-relevant. And in a zombie deck, I could see the seeing play. Like we're talking about zombies possibility. Yeah, this yeah. this could be on, you know, people are talking about Blossom from like a, uh, the fact that it's a fairy, but fairy is a much worse tribe than zombie is. So there are benefits to this card. And I think it has potential so of seeing play. They've also like the last few years, they've pushed zombies really hard. I mean, back going back to like relentless dead or looking at some of the stuff that came out in Amonkhet, like there's a lot more options than there used to be. You, sure. can, you can get pretty creative. You're, you're at the point now where there will be good zombies with aggressive casting costs that you aren't playing in your zombie deck. Right. So finding the right version of a zombie deck, this card might be one of the things that pushes it. Yeah. Uh, elite Guard Mage, two white blue, flying when Elite Guard Mage enters the battlefield, uh, gain three life and draw a card, two, three. It's interesting. So it's a human. It's a human wizard, yep. which, is, which, is, which is relevant. Yep. Um, four man is a lot. Four man is a lot, but honestly, Does when, a I, lot. when I looked at this card and thought about it, I thought it was like, okay, so I don't really love the idea of having this in my, in my deck. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I love the idea of this entering the battlefield because like, I think my <laughs> opponent was just going to slump. And if this is a deck that plays Restoration Angel, right. it's just game over. Twice with this card, and it feels like you pretty much win. Like, look at the... In the Arclight Phoenix decks, you have the... Oh, why am I blinking? The Drake. Uh, you have Crackling Drake. Crackling Drake. And Crackling Drake is a much bigger card, but, like, there are matchups where I'd much rather gain through life than have a 7-4. I think, like, it's totally conceivable that this card, alongside Restoration Angel, is just a thing you're going to see. This yeah. is so much game. A three life and a card. Mm -hmm. Like, it's against some decks. Uh, why is Collective Brutality so good against Burn? Because it's like getting rid of a card with a life. Swing. Right. Like, you're getting two cards out of this and a 2-3 flyer, which is not too shabby. Like, yep. you can... Box Goblin Guide. Yep. Yep. Uh, 
Next card, Emergent Zone. Add Tap to add uh, colorless mana, land, enters the battlefield untapped. You may sacrifice it to uh, for one mana, and you may cast spells this turn as though they had flash. This is like an Alchemist Refuge, Winding Canyons effect. Um, but it's, 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 you have to sack the land to do it, though. You sack the land, but it's two, two less mana than, or one less mana than the blue-green one. And yeah. it's colorless, so it can go in any color deck. Um, I think it's, yeah, I don't know if it'll see play. It's but somewhere it's, in it's, between those two cards. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Canyons is obviously better, but that's right. on the reserve list. So. Right, 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 right. Uh, Evolution Sage, Elf Druid, two green, uh, three, two. Whenever a land enters the battlefield you control, you proliferate. This is the card Marshall mentioned with with uh, Pentad Prism. So, yeah, this card's really interesting. I don't, I go back and forth on it. When I first saw it, I thought it was amazing. The art's amazing. Uh, the card itself does a lot of really powerful things and is like just a combo piece with a lot of stuff that oh, works no, no, well no, with it. Right. It's the other one. It's the other one. This is the, the Lands one. He was talking about the blue one. Oh, oh yeah, this is the Lands one. Um, and, which is still good with what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, do you play this over, what's the clue? Two mana Tyler's green. Tracker? Yeah. T- do you play this over Tyler's Tracker? No. Um, do you play this over Tylus Tracker in a deck who's taking advantage of Proliferate, though? And I think you can. Like, I think you mentioned before, there's been many times where you're like, oh, how do we make Proliferate work? What are the different ways you can do with it? And there's a bunch of stuff. It just, like, there wasn't a good repeatable Proliferate card. But, like, this into, like, a Planeswalker the next turn, and then you just crack a fetch land and give that Planeswalker plus two. There are Planeswalkers that ultimate right then. Uh, yeah, I think there's some. I think that's probably true with fetch lands. Like the ability to manipulate a planeswalker is one of the strongest things. But I think in general, um, in- I could see it. I could also see it as a cyborg card in infect decks that just like need a way to kill a player without having to attack. Like yeah. if there's a deck that just like doesn't want them to attack for whatever reason, say uh, lantern control. This card against lantern control can just maybe kill them because you get one infect early. They kill your infect creature, but then you can just proliferate them out. It, am I remembering correctly that Darksteel Reactor is a thing, right? It is. It's indestructible. Beginning of your upkeep, you may put a charge counter on it. When it has 20 more counters on it, you win the game. It's not an upkeep thing. Yeah, but at most, it's you have to do this 10 times. No, no, I'm just trying to think, like, with all the new proliferate, like, is there a... Is that going to be a... Is that, like, I was just trying to think, what are the things that you could have gotten close that weren't turbo enough? Mm-hmm. And the fact that that's not an upkeep trigger makes me think, is it possible? No. No? No. Yeah, probably not. All right, next card. Fipple Fip the Lost. Blue to colorless, legendary creature homunculus. Uh, it's a 1 1. When if Fibble Fip the Lost enters the battlefield, draw a card. If it entered from your library, was cast from your library, draw two cards instead. When Fibble Fip becomes the target of a spell, shuffle Fibble Fip into its owner's library. So, aside from story purposes, this card is interesting. It's well, there's no. St- well, continue. Yeah, right. He was like a thing that showed up in a previous episode. He was, a, m- a, he was a meme that yeah. had f- like. So flavor text and showed up on like the bottom of cards as a joke in last Ravnica set. People were really excited. They finally brought him here. He's a legendary creature. I've been trying to brew with this card actually. So there was, I've got a couple different versions of like the, the superior burning cocoa deck that I've kind of messed around with. And this card going in is one of them. Flipping this off a collective company is really good. Like it entering and drawing you two cards. Unfortunately, it's like you're still trading one of your hits for a one, one. So you get two cards, but you don't get the creatures into play. Um, there's also some other cards this interact with from the set that are pretty cool. I, I think this card is really interesting. Like there's there's definitely stuff you can do with this card, especially uh, if it enters from your library. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so collect a company will get it. Anything that lets you cast creatures from the top of your library, put it into pl- like cards from the top of your library gets it. Yeah. Um, 
any of the like tutors that put creatures that you tutor and search for into play. It's blue, and in a blue-green deck, the effect and Planeswalker that we haven't mentioned is Nissa because Nissa zeros to reveal the top card. So if Nissa puts this into play, you the draw blue-green two. Nissa. And I've wanted to try to make that card work for a while. So I, I was working on like a Jace the Mind Sculptor Nissa with like all of those elements together to set the top of your library kind of a deck. Mm-hmm. Um, also well, with Mirror Superior, but also uh, on a just a boring level. Elvish Visionary is a card that I'd seen a ton of play in yeah. modern history or in magic history. And this is a worse creature type, but has a upside that if you can actually take advantage of it through an ev- Eldritch Evolution type effect or something along those lines is worth it. It's like great fodder for that deck. It And yeah, I think it's I think it's a thing. Yep. Uh, and I think this will uh, we have two more car. Uh, this will be the last card for the day. Uh, Feather the Redeemed, red, white, white, legendary creature, angel, uh, flying, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile the top, that card instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves. If you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step, it is a 3-4. Doesn't this card just lock people out with Giga Drows, like yeah. right away? Well, you need All a lot blue. of blue mana to pull that off, but yes, if you have this in play and Giga Drows, you can't, and you can have more lands than they have lands, you yeah. win. Well, you'll at least, unless they have an instant speed piece of interaction, they can respond to get rid of it. With. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Like a path gets rid of this guy. But it's, it's a soft lock. Yeah. Um, it's a 3-4 flyer piece of a soft lock, which is really good. Yeah, yeah. 3-4 flyer for a 3. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Feather's really cool. What's cool, I mean, story-wise, Feather is the, like, was supposed to be the inheritor of the throne to Boros when Raz, Raziel, I forget how to say that name, but original leader died. That's why she has four wings. Other angels don't. Uh, Aurelia took over. We don't know why. She has two angel wings. We've never really got an answer of why they, that is. Maybe it's in the book that just came out today. Um, but, yep, happy about that. Uh, this card's really cool. You also could uh, play the red one, right? The replicate burn spell. Yeah, there's a few different There's a few different cool combos. And, like, there's actually probably even more than that that we're not even considering. Any, yeah. like, any red... Uh, like cantrip like target creature gets plus one plus zero draw a card or whatever you can do this on each of your players turns so you get like like it almost becomes gives all those sparse retrace like there's a lot of cool stuff and that's the last card for the set because next week we'll start with the finales finale of one of them yeah one of them (laughs) preview you don't know which one we're gonna start with but we're doing it alphabetically so if you passed the third grade because of the 36 planeswalkers (laughs) this is an enormous set review um we're We're doing 160 cards right 130 130 cards cards. so this is gonna be a few parter we were thinking originally two parts probably maybe like three parts now in terms of sequencing we're we're figuring that out so we're uh well i think i think the last one will be the last review we do will also be a pro tour review yes uh or mythic championship review so that'll be in two weeks and then we'll do that one and then there'll be two of these so stay tuned next week we are going to be revealing the gaggle of gideon's winner we'll be doing that uh, on next week's episode yep. and thank you guys so much for listening thanks for watching big shout out to the command zone game nights josh and jimmy making great content and we have a patreon yep that's the most important thing other than subscribing to the youtube right now because it's the thing that is helping us stay alive we have remodeled our space we have a producer now uh, we need your help to keep that stuff going because that's like the future of the show is exactly that patreon.com slash the mmcast so please help us out there throw a bucket a month whatever whatever works for you it uh it really means the world to us um anything else from you uh one thing i'll say about this set it's insane how many times we've been like this is the best card in the set and then i just remember what card we're about to talk about at the beginning of next episode oh yeah and 
probably actually the best card in the set. Maybe. It's one of the really good cards in the set. <laughs> um, has the best pedigree at least. So yeah, really excited about next week's episode. Thanks, guys. Talk to you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.